When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're talking about lessons from mothers or mother figures all over the world and the differences, or possibly not, in what we teach our children. So to have this conversation, I have Anna Teeter. She is an award-winning international journalist, author, and host of Thank You, Mama, in which she interviews women from all around the world about the most important lessons they learned from their mothers. I will say I had the honor to be on her podcast. She has interviewed over a hundred parents. So a lot of this conversation that we have is from her experience of as a journalist and speaking with all of these people on her podcast and all these interviews, as well as through the lens of a journalist, as well as someone who's lived in multiple countries and has a very international family. So it was really a lovely conversation, we dive into what are some of the universal lessons and traits of parenting from different cultures? What are some of the biggest differences? As well as she talks about her own experience living in different parts of the world and how that influenced her parents' style and her own parenting. So it's a really rich conversation. I think you're going to get a lot of joy from listening and it's just thought-provoking. And I really think the bottom line is as parents, we always just try to do the best we can. So please enjoy that conversation with Anna. Before we get to that, I just want to fill you in on some of the things happening at PYC. So as you've been hearing, classes continue to be added onto the schedule. We've made a commitment that we're going to continue with our online community because it's really given us a chance to support one another well beyond the walls, the confines of our Upper West Side studio. It's a joy to be in there every time I'm in there, it it just reminds me of how blessed and honored it is I am to lead this community. But knowing that we're now supporting people from all over the world is truly a joy, truly an honor. So check out our schedule, prenatalyogacenter.com. You can join us for classes every day. We've got workshops online and on demand. So we're here to support you. So check all that out. The other thing I want to talk about, um, the teacher training. So it's interesting. I've been putting out on Instagram, kind of doing an informal poll of, do people want an in-person training? Do people want online? Do they not care where they get their prenatal yoga teacher training as long as they do it? And what's interesting is more people than not say they want it online. And we've listened to that and we're keeping it online. So the plan is to do two or three trainings in person. And we're starting to take our trainings to different states as we did before the pandemic. But then we're keeping two prenatal yoga teacher 
major trainings online a year, and I'm going to keep the postnatal training online as well. So if this is something that you're interested in, you have an itch to support the perinatal community, you're already a yoga teacher, check out that information also on our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. And then the last thing I want to say is a big thank you. I've noticed a boost in our rating and reviews, and it, it means so much to me to know that you are supporting us and that you're putting your voice out there for other people to find us and your words out there for people to read the reviews. So thank you for doing that. And if you haven't, take a moment, pause, and go ahead and do it now. It could leave, it could be a review, it can be a rating, whatever. I appreciate you doing it. It really does help people find us. And on that note about supporting people finding us, if there is a topic that I haven't covered, or maybe I covered, but you want me to go deeper or or look at a different angle, or maybe you have somebody you think would be a fantastic guest, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. As I do these interviews, and I'm always looking for something that's exciting, make sure that you let me know who that could be. You can reach out to Deb at prenatalyogacenter.com. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Anna. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, Anna. How are you? I'm great. I'm very excited to be here with you today. I am thrilled to connect with you again. So for those that haven't listened to your podcast, thank you, Mama, I had the honor of being a guest in your podcast. So it's kind of fun to turn the tables a little bit here. <laughs> I just told you how excited I am that I can relax and just answer questions. I know, that's on me. I got to navigate this conversation. I can't just chill and be like, yeah, what do you want to know? Uh, it's very easy to talk about oneself. All right. But I feel very up to the task. So we are going to talk about, because you are an award-winning international journalist and author and host of the podcast, Thank You Mama, you have talked to many, many, many parents and seen parenting through many different cultures. So I am thrilled to dive into your observation about parenting in different cultures. And total side note, I'm sure many other parents did this, but when I think when I was either pregnant or just had my first, I read some book, I think it was called Bringing Up Baby. And it was about being a parent in France. And I, oh, <laughs> do you know that book? <laughs> I tried to instill some, like, I'm going to be so French and do this. And I failed miserably. But ever oh, no. since then, I have really been fascinated about parenting in different cultures. So I'm very excited to pick your brain. So thank you for being my guest. Very excited to be here. All right. So let's start with learning a little bit about you and how you got interested in exploring parenting in different cultures. Um, I, I, I see this maybe as two divided topics, separate topics that come together at the end. I am originally from Croatia. I was born in, in what was then Yugoslavia. Um, and when the war in the Balkans were happened and we had the first era in Zagreb, my mom and I escaped to Austria, Vienna. Austria I was 17 then, um, and came to Austria thinking naively that 
this will pass in a few days. <laughs> and the few days turned into 20, over 20 years. I, 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 I had to start school. It turned out that the war is going to last on. So I started school and then ended school and then did my university and, and just, you know, started my new life in Austria. I lived in Vienna for 20 years and then I met my half American, half British husband, <laughs> fell in love and moved to United States where I've spent over 10 years and gave birth to my beautiful son, Kai, in Los Angeles. And we just moved back to Vienna, Austria a year ago. So we are very fun, very mixed family. And it's very fun going through border crossings when we pull all our <laughs> passports out. And many times it happened that people are, you know, border crossing, people are just laughing at us because each one of us has two passports from different countries. We're like... <laughs> <laughs> Such a mix. And uh, another interesting thing, uh, apropos, you know, multicultural or being interested in different cultures is when I was little, my cousins moved to Holland and they went to an international school in Holland. And I, for me as a child, the idea of going to an international school was like a dream. This was my big dream of going to an international school. So when we came to Vienna, Austria, and I didn't speak German, but I spoke English, I got a grant to enroll the American International School in Vienna, and my dream came true. Mm -hmm. And this, this for me, I think was, this was, it was beautiful. It was, it was, the school was very, very mixed, and kids came from all over the world, and it, it, it didn't matter, and it was such a beautiful melting pot that I think that really installed with me this passion for we are all one, you know, look at our differences and look at our similarities, and we are all one at the end of the day. It was, it was a great experience. Um, so that, that's my, my background. That's pretty uh, fascinating. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I, I had an amazing mom, an absolutely amazing mom who was fasc a fascinating woman, really. She, she was so fascinating that I still meet young women in Croatia who tell me your mom is my role model, you know, and which is amazing because she was my role model. I always felt like I was very blessed to have a mom who, who can be a role model. She was, she was just everything. She was an activist in 1968. She was, you know, fighting for a better world. And, um, she was discovered at the age of 18, uh, and became a, a film star. She was a very big movie star in Yugoslavia and very admired both for her talent and beauty. Um, she, she immediately started winning awards for her films and, and always, always chose roles talking about women's roles in society. Like they were always, she was always very activist. She wanted to make a world a better place. And she was very concerned about women and women's, she was a big feminist. And parallel to creating this big movie career, she finished the Academy of Fine Arts and started a career in 
art and visual arts and, and started illustrating books and had exhibitions and made jewelry. So she had these two parallel careers, both of which were equally awarded and successful. And in the same time, she was just very, as I said, she was, she wanted to make the world a better place. And on top of all of that, she was an amazing human being. People just loved being with her. You know, they just felt like being in her presence was always a, a, a beautiful experience. And, um, we had a very close relationship. I'm an only, only child. And in 2016, she was, um, diagnosed with lung cancer mm. and it took eight weeks within eight weeks she was gone and there was such a huge shock for me you can you can't even your mind you can't even wrap your mind around around it how quickly it went it oh, wasn't so even eight sorry. weeks i think it was six weeks thank you so when when that happened i at one point i had a very big anxiety attack one day that I was going to forget everything she told me and and that if I forget what she told me I was going to lose her that um, you know she's going to disappear even more for me so I sat down and started writing everything she told me and then that turned into everything she taught me and everything she modeled for me and that started turning into a book about her life through her lessons mm. So I was, when I would tell my friends what I'm working on, it was fascinating seeing how women immediately started thinking about how, what did I learn from my mom? And that, that became clear to me that this is such a beautiful and such an obvious and important topic that we never, ever talk about and think about and put in words, you know? So this this is how the idea came to start my podcast called Thank You Mama in which I interview women from literally all over the world. At this stage I interviewed women from I think 60 countries in the world. There are officially 150 I think I interviewed 60 women from 60 different countries in 103 interviews. And what's really important for me is that they are from very different backgrounds, cultures, generations, religions, you know, all over. I really want to professions or non-professions, stay-at-home moms. My dream is to really try to collect this mother's wisdom from all over the world, a, a, a very diverse and true, you know, unfiltered wisdom, maternal wisdom. Oh my goodness. This was a long answer. <laughs> no, but it was beautiful. You had, I was captured by this. I also was deeply honored to be having been one of your many interviews. So thank you for including my, my humble story, but wow. So from, oh, thank you. From, from, from learning and listening to over a hundred interviews, I'm sure you've recognized certain universal traits. And mm -hmm. when we talk about what you've learned from different traits of different cultures, let's also just express, because I know you and I were talking, are concerned about how we don't want to be stereotypical. This is more about your mm -hmm. observation of what you've yes. heard and yeah. your observation from 
being a journalist. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear really your point of view from having had these very intimate conversations as well as seeing things through the journalist lens, which I think is different than your average person. Cause I think I'm, I'm guessing mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. eye and your brain see things in a different way than like I might hear it. You know what I mean? Like, so, so let's just be mindful when we talk about universal lessons and traits of parenting in different cultures. We're coming yeah. at it from not just, Oh, I heard this, but that you've had the, the opportunity to dive into different cultures and interview people. So that's how I think some of our, our conversation is going to go through. Does that sound good to you? It sounds beautiful to me. Yes. So why don't you share from your, what do you say, 103 plus interviews, <laughs> some of the universal lessons that you've heard other parents talking about? Because when I think about no matter what culture someone's coming from, I think as a parent myself, and I know we've talked about on your podcast, like what I've learned from my mother, I think every parent just wants the best for their child. And Mm -hmm. what are some of the universal lessons and traits of parenting you've learned from different cultures? Um, Exactly what you were just mentioning was for me, generally the biggest lesson, you know, this universality of parenting. And, and I, I have to speak about motherhood because I'm interviewing women about their mothers. And, and what was really beautiful for me was to learn after this 103 published interviews, but I, I have at least 120 or 30 done. And again, I'm repeating, uh, you know, women talking about their mothers who are farm workers in Nepal or factory workers in China or doctors in Trinidad or these are really um, very diverse and different and 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 it's not as many that I, I'm not claiming academic um, <laughs> academic uh, what is it called um, uh, accuracy here but as mm-hmm. you said these are my observations what was beautiful is that I, I was really able until now already to distill some of the big lessons or topics that mothers teach their daughters and one of the first things daughters always say is resilience mm-hmm. how beautiful is this the daughters view their mothers are so resilient and strong and hardworking and very often even if they this relationship wasn't the best. And even if they don't agree with their mother's choices or ways they did things, women always say, my mom was so resilient. You know, they, we always talk about these mother's lives and their life stories. And we, we hear the, what these women went through. And, and it's beautiful how inspired women are and how they always recognize this strength and resilience. Um, it's also fascinating to me, fascinating, and that gives me such a such a high hope for the future. That that one of the main things mothers teach their daughters, no matter where, I'm repeating, what background, what country, what what cultural uh, background they come from, is to be independent, to be independent financially, to be independent practically, to be independent emotionally, and and mothers really very consciously try to to teach. Their daughters and talk to them about it and and show by their example, and that's that's also very beautiful. Hard work, 
which kind of they often mention as this resilience but for me this is a separate topic mm-hmm. yeah and um another lesson that i learned from my mom and that's so important to me but it's beautiful to see that many other women learn from their mothers again, from anywhere in the world, is that it's never too late. This idea that it's never too late for a divorce, if you're unhappy, (laughs) for a new life, for happiness, you know, for a new career, for new hobbies, for success. I, I heard amazing stories about these mothers who started a new business at the age of 50 or 60, or, you know, found their new partners that six mean their mid sixties and now live a very happy, beautiful second or third marriage. You know, that, that, that for me was very inspiring. Um, also another topic that, that, that's quite, um, universal is caring for others and kindness. Um, and then as I asked you, I always ask a question, a very important question is, was there anything important that your mom was not able to teach you? Something you wish your mom taught you. And these topics are also always universal, no matter where, where my guests come from. Women wish their mothers taught them about their bodies, especially to appreciate not only how our bodies function and to accept our bodies and know about them, but also to appreciate them and not be critical about them. Uh, but also sex <laughs> as, and one of the, the best quotes from the interviews is one of my guests, her mom was from Korea said, you know, I wish she told me about sex. So I don't have, I didn't have to learn through trial and error. <laughs> All right. I can, I can buy that, but I also think it's slightly off topic. It is individual. So what her mom might have liked or taught her might not have suited her desires, but okay. All right. We'll go with that. But just to talk about it and prepare daughters about it and, and women say, you know, I wish if my mom didn't for other religious or cultural, whatever reasons, if she wasn't able to talk to him about it, if only she told me where to go, where to get this information or put a pamphlet or a book or a website into my hands. So I know what's there. There's still, you know, daughters who start their sexual life without hearing about it or learning about it or just, you know, (laughs) um, being completely uninformed. Yeah. Um, finances, finances, we need to talk to our daughters about finances and money. And then what also comes very often in different forms, but it always means the same is self-care. Many women say, I wish my mom taught me how to take a break. Mm. Uh, or, you know, my American guests will say self-care, but, but just to be kinder to ourselves and, and yeah, give ourselves a break. So these are, these are the big universal These are some big themes. And it's interesting yeah. you're seeing no matter what culture, the, and it really comes back to taking care of yourself and respecting yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. What are some of the standout differences that you have seen in your conversations from different cultures? And again, this is really from your point of view as an interviewer mm-hmm. and journalist. Yeah, and from 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 the interviews that I've conducted until now, um, one of the most inspiring thing for me that I wish mothers 
from other cultures would learn <laughs> um, is it was very interesting. I had quite a few black American women guests until now, and they like almost all of them told me how their moms were the biggest cheerleaders. Mm. And, you know, they, they told them how only sky's the limit and how the only person standing in their way are themselves and, and how they can do whatever they set their mind to and, and to just go and conquer the world and not look back to follow their dreams and I, I never heard this, these lessons from other moms. And I, I, this is something that where I wish the rest of the world would hear, you know, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the mothers would learn from them. Um, but, but generally, you know, it's interesting generally with American moms, this, this idea of hard work, which I, 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 I don't think I heard from others so much, which I admire with generally with American people. I find American, Americans so amazingly hardworking and, and entrepreneurial and inventive and pioneering and wow. <laughs> um, uh, it's interesting. And here again, this comes from a very good place of what we could learn. Um, it's interesting that Asian moms teach their children discipline and hard work and the importance of education. Many moms teach, teach their kids about education, but it's the Asian moms are very put a lot of focus on this. And this is where, what I think is, is very beautiful and important. Um, being Eastern European myself, I did notice that Eastern European moms are sometimes too tough. <laughs> It's funny you say that because my mom, as we talked about during yeah. my interview, she's first generation from Eastern European, Eastern European yeah. parents. And for somebody that I think my grandmother never got taller than like 4'11. And my mom would say that like she was tough. Like she looks like mm -hmm. this cute, well, she's dead mm -hmm. now, but she looked like this cute little person, but <laughs> she was my mom's <laughs> biggest advocate. And my mom told me that when, <laughs> when she would come to the school to talk about something like the, the principal would hide, like my mom, my grandmother was like, uh, for no better word, like a ball buster. So it's just funny. Yes. 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 <laughs> you say that. <laughs> you see? So <laughs> It sounds like my great grandmother, who was also <laughs> quite short, but whoa. <laughs> yeah, don't cross her. She's she looks cute. Honor. Like a cute yeah. little gremlin, but wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but wow. <laughs> this and actually, is I just interviewed a lady today from her mom was from Poland, and she said, you know, with this toughness comes being judgmental a little bit. And it's interesting how she said that, that when she was a teenager, that would with her that would create kind of an opposite reaction. She would want to rebel against that, you mm -hmm. know, against all this opinions and judgments and this toughness. So that's, that's interesting. Um, and what I found, and I don't know how to really, I, I have to still think about how to really put it in words and, and think about it more. It's interesting how European moms lessons are more like philosophical than practical mm. from, than other, other moms. Um, 
so for me, this, this would be the biggest differences that I noticed until now in these 103 interviews. That is really interesting. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I would love to talk about how you think the interpretation or the perception or even the expectation of the mother figure differs from culture to culture. All right. Think about that. We'll be right back. Okay. We are back. Oh, it's quite a loaded question. The mother figure. Um, and I, you know, how different cultures perceive that personify that, how they, some put mothers on quite a pedestal, some don't. So how do you think the interpretation or perception or expectation of the mother figure differs from culture, culture to culture? You know, we, we, and I have to again repeat, I'm, I'm talking about the 103 published interviews until now, the interviews I conducted with women from all over the world. And for me, um, as I mentioned already, this is one of the most beautiful findings for me is that there's more that connects us than, than divides us. And especially, I really think that especially happens with women's lives and especially mothers' lives. There's no matter what country or background, social class, there's always this connected or, or universal narrative in, in mothers or women's, women's lives. And no matter where these women come from, you hear about divorces, about the difficulty of juggling work and motherhood, about, you know, outside disturbances like wars and, and, other other problems and immigration and and figuring out new situations be be it moving to a new country or losing a, a a partner or you know all these different things so so it's i found it very beautiful that 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 i want to i think there it, there's a un, very unified and very archaic universal mother figure and an idea about a mother, mm. um, all over, all over the world. And, and I really want to share that what I've heard from all of these women is, is this idea of an ideal mom, you know, what they wished or either what they appreciate about their mom, or if they didn't have a mom like this, what would they wish their mom to, to receive from their mom? And, and this, this, so this is this universal ideal mother figure, which gives you an unconditional and non-judgmental. We talked about it. This is very important. Non, non-judgmental love and, and support. We talked about this mom being a cheerleader and telling you, you can do this, you know, hearing like her giving you the strength and courage while very gently guiding her children and also very important celebrating your achievements and, and just celebrating you and your life. And basically being there when, when, when you need her. Mm-hmm. I think this, this for me was very inspiring, 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 <laughs> learning what, 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 what I interview women, what they wish either they appreciate or they wish their mother would be in their lives. Now, yeah. Yeah. Now I, I was thinking about your, your question 
And here's something I want to put out there, which is interesting, and I have no idea what it's about. When we talk about this mother figure, the only difference I notice is um, I think American daughters very often want to maybe I don't know how to say it, but compete or change or rebel against their mothers more often than, than other daughters. Other daughters take them more for granted. It's like, yeah, mom is mom and, you know, she's like this or like that. And, but, um, American daughters, I, I feel from the interviews I had, but also from, from the media, you know, when I lived in Europe and watched movies or TV shows, there was always this clash of, generations like oh naughty teenagers and problems with teenagers and teenagers there and problems with moms and parents and or kids and that that's not so prevalent in european media or consciousness and i don't know where that comes from <laughs> hmm. that for me was always such an american topic of like you know this clash between generations yeah, I don't have an answer. I'm just putting it out no, there. No, I'm very interested because like an observation. I had I, no idea what. I get that because I feel like being in kind of almost like middle age myself. I feel like I grew up hearing about oh, when I was younger, we didn't this, and now I'm almost that person when I was younger. So there does seem to be a comparison from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I have some questions about your personal life and your personal parenting. So you have lived in many different parts of the world. (laughs) Have you seen your own parenting style changed or was it influenced by where you were living? So were things different when you were living in Europe than when you were living in New York or, or wherever you were? Yeah. Um, what what was interesting for me is uh, I had my son when I was in Los Angeles, um, and and it w- and it was interesting for me to see how you know America manages to turn everything into an industry for a better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that's accurate. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and this is how it managed to turn parent parenting into industry, pregnancy parenting, and everything else which I'm, I'm repeating for better or for worse, you know? Um, and so there are books and guides and consultants and magazines and fi- parenting philosophies. And people know so much about parenting philosophies, which in Europe, you don't really, you have no idea what that means. Um, I, I have a feeling Europeans are more laissez-faire about it. They just raise children. It's like, yeah, you have children and you raise them somehow, you know? So one of the biggest uh, differences when I noticed how different parenting is in different cultures is when I had my son when I was pregnant and I read all these pregnancy magazines and books and I decided of course I want to you know um, sleep train my son because I need to sleep we all need to sleep and it's healthy for him to to learn how to sleep and then I gave birth to him and held him in my arms and I was just like I would never ever be able to put you down in a crib while you're crying and leave the room like that I was not able to do that so I struggle and and then you know this industry gives you a feeling you're doing something wrong you know you should be doing it this way or that way so I felt guilty about not being able to sleep train my son Mm -hmm. and then I spoke to my European friends and they literally never heard the term 
they were、mm. like, "What do you mean sleep training?" And I'm like, "Do you put your child in the room and close the door?" And they were just like, "No, no, nobody." Now. I'm generalizing, and this is from talking to my friends, you know, who who most of them live in Austria and and England and Croatia, but they were just like, no, you we don't you don't do what is that, you know, <laughs> and that was very interesting for me because、mm, I started thinking about it and 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 trying to figure out why why where does this come from this difference, and this is my. Personal conclusion is it led back to European moms having a, a year up in Austria up to two years of maternity leave. Oh wow! Of course, you don't need to sleep train your child if you don't need to go back to work. You know, <laughs> uh, it's easier. It's you can decide for yourself what future doesn't because if you choose to, you can. Stay at home and concentrate on raising your child for two years instead of running back to an office and being functional after a few weeks. So that for me was the first time I I, I think I realized how this I want to call it social social system in a country influences parenting.、Mm. And then and then also、um, I'm comparing Europe and 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 the states. Um, the, uh, because my son just started first grade here in in Europe, and he was in kindergarten in the States, and it's interesting how you notice this lack of competitiveness, which I I do not I'm not sure anymore if it's healthy for Europe because I think the world became such a busy place that you do need to compete. I think we can just relax as we used to in in Europe, but anyway, but but it still doesn't. You know, you're not as competitive in Europe as you are in States, and there's no this stress about which preschool my child will go to, so they can go to this and that school, so they can go to this high school. You know, the whole thing、mm-hmm. that just doesn't exist, and and、um, the tests and the grades and how well you know that that's much more relaxed. Um, which I also want to lead back to the to to the whole social economic system because if you live in a socialist country, I was just going to say where, that I'm like it's paid for. College know, is paid for exactly. There. Yeah, college is paid for. And listen, if you don't, if you're not super successful, you can still live an okay life. You know this. There's this social network that's going to catch you. You will never fall. Whereas in America, you're on your own. I mean, you you have to take care of yourself.、Mm. So it, it it it's interesting thinking about how the system influences the way we parent. You know,、yeah. that is really fascinating. Yeah, as you're saying <laughs> that, I'm like, people, there is pressure, scholarships, and you know, it's just it is very different. That is so interesting. So different. So I know you had a very special relationship with your mother. What is one lesson? That you learned from your mother that has played an integral part in how you parent. <laughs> This is such a、uh, fun question for me because I started writing a book of her lessons. <laughs>、uh, <laughs> I added that whole book. And I love it, you know, and I I love it that you made me think about the one most important lesson. And and I've learned so many lessons, but it, what I thinking about your question. The most important lesson I learned from her, her 
I learned when she passed away. And when she passed away and I lost her, I learned and realized that that for me, I felt like I was a battery, <laughs> that she charged with so much love that I have enough of her love to keep me for the rest of my life. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. I, I And I felt it so strongly. It was incredible. It, I really felt like, thank you, Mama. I'm so completely charged that this will take me. I was, what, 40... Uh, 46 when she passed away. Uh, no, 42. Um, and I really felt like I, I can just repeat what I said. I really felt like she gave me, she, she charged me with so much love that it, it will never, it will never go away. It can't go away. And this is something that I promised to myself I'm going to do in my son. And, and, you know, my mom lost her mom when, my grandma was three my mom was 12. And I, I lost my mom relatively early. She was 69, but, you know, very surprising and healthy 69. So I decided for myself that I just want to give myself, give my son and, and charge him with so much love that when that day comes that I'm not here anymore, no matter when that is, I want him to be fully charged for the rest of his life. <laughs> that is beautiful. Oh, I love that. Okay, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I want you to think about what is one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new and expectant parents. You've already offered so much, so <laughs> kind of your, your, your grace leaving note. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, we are back. So what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents? And this and this comes from my my lesson my my experience of being a parent and okay. my mom, you know, and for what I learned from my mom, I really would say follow your guts. Yeah. Follow your guts. Because I as I, I as I told you now, I was like, I'm gonna sleep train and then he was born. I'm like, I can't do this. And I'm glad I didn't force myself. You know, you just you you follow you follow yourself and you follow your child. And you follow your guts. I like that. I think, and, and this comes also from, from, from the way my mom mothered me or parented me, that if, if you, if you really manage and try to connect to your child and accept them, mm-hmm. accept them and respect them. Yes. As, as their own human beings from day one and, 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 and parent from your guts, as we just said, and, and with an open heart. I think you can't make a mistake, really. You can't make big mistakes. You can make tiny mistakes, but not serious mistakes. And I've, 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 I've heard that from my mom and I, I, I saw that with my mom doing, but then when Kai was born and even when he was a tiny baby, I would look at him and I thought, you are your own human being. One day you will be a grown-up man and you will be tall and big and strong and have your own. And who am I to push my, some of my ideas or my, like, I, I felt this big respect over, towards him. Even when he was just a tiny little baby, for me, he was already completely his own human being, you know? Mm. That's beautiful. I, 
hard, yeah. but beautiful. I find hard. it hard. Hard. Yeah. Hard. I, I yeah, believe it. Is it. Hard. It's it is hard. hard because we want to, so maybe it's easier if you're, if you only have one child, maybe it's harder if you have to juggle two or more children, but it's hard. It's hard because yeah, it's hard. I really, <laughs> I really like that. Where can people find your work? People can find my work on, if they want to listen to Thank You Mama, anywhere where, where they listen to podcasts, they can find me. My website is tighter.com, T-A-J-D-E-R.com. And they can find me on all social media, <laughs> um, from, from Instagram to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. I'm out there. <laughs> we'll make sure that we have all of that in the show notes and especially that link to your podcast. Oh, this has been delightful. Thank you for being a guest on Yoga Birth Babies. I truly enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you again. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.